0: You're too kind, you're too kind. Uh, Talk amongst yourselves. I'm very tall. I need to adjust this thing here. You're very polite too. I said talk amongst yourselves and no one said a word. Well, it is a joy to be here. Good morning. Um, And uh, as Michelle said a long time ago, uh, Harmony and I came here as interns. So if you're an intern right now, you just never know what might happen to you. And uh, we have made our homes here and become citizens here, raised our children, our children were born here. Here's home. Here is home for us. And uh, gosh, what a what a joy to be together that this is finally here. And uh, uh, we've been praying for this, that we could be together this weekend, and it's just so, so good. I just want to... Begin by saying how grateful I am to everyone who has worked so hard to make this happen and those who are continuing to work hard right now as we speak all weekend long, even into the clean up and the tidy up after it's all done. Thank you so much for your hard work and your sacrifice. I believe that this is a really important space for churches and followers of Jesus to gather. I'm really excited about it. I, I think it's crucial moving forward because it's multi-generational, it's cross-denominational, it's all island, and it's full of people longing for the Spirit of God to move in any way he sees fit. So it's a, just an honor and a privilege for me to be here with you. Could I, could I pray just really quickly? Lord, we, we thank you for everything that's happened thus far in this weekend and how you're already moving and impacting us. We pray just that as we turn to your word, you'd speak to us, and we pray for you speaking in really still, quiet ways, but also, Lord, we just say we are open to you and all you have, so we ask that you'd visit us, that you would even change the trajectory of our lives. We love you, we want to serve you. Amen. Well, you don't need me to tell you that it's been a crazy couple of years. And you don't need me to tell you that we're living in really challenging times. And there's a ton of tragic and chaotic things happening all around the world and even at home uh, where we call home, not to mention we're trying to emerge from a global pandemic which has brought a steady stream of change, loss, and difficulty to us. And many of us, uh, if we were honest, and just as we were in worship, I was worried about this little section of the talk being like a downer. But this, I just felt like this is like a family gathering. And when you're with family, you can tell the truth about you and how you feel. And so we can tell the truth about us and how we feel. And some of us are doing amazing, and that is great. Others of us feel tired, under pressure, overwhelmed, maybe like we're facing really big uncertainties. And I'll just be honest since we're amongst family, I kind of feel that way. So I don't know about you, but I kind of feel that way. But I also feel like it's never been more important to pause. To gather together, to worship, to seek God, to be in his word together, to be refreshed together on a weekend like this, but also to lift our heads a bit and stand in faith for how God is still working despite what we might feel or face. And he is still empowering us in that work and inviting us into that work. And on Pentecost weekend believe the Spirit does want to speak to us. He wants to speak to us about this current moment we're in. He wants to encourage us. He wants to empower us. He wants to refresh us and refocus us. And as I've been thinking about this time together, I've been meditating on chapters 5 and 6 of John's Gospel. So if you have a device or like a real actual Bible or a chip implanted in your brain or something like that, or whatever they're going to do to us in the future, you can turn to John chapter 5 to start, and we'll then move to John chapter 6. I've been asking the Lord, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to the churches, to the followers of Jesus on this island, in this moment? And here's, here's a few thoughts, here's a few thoughts for you. The first thing uh, that I wanted to say that I feel the lord drawing us to is we only have to do what the father's doing but we must join in with what the father's doing well in john chapter 5 certain verse 16 the context is actually opposition persecution and pressure and jesus is he's been healing he's been ministering on the sabbath and the religious leaders begin to persecute him and then jesus responds to their pushback and their opposition, and he says to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And then you can follow along in your Bibles, this enrages them even more, think in verse 18, they, they, they make plans to do away with him, and Jesus goes further and pushes back and says to them... Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So actually the context, I mean I love these verses from Jesus. They're kind of like life verses for me. But the context actually is pressure, uh, conflict, opposition, and we are not enduring persecution like some of our brothers and sisters around the world who are literally in fear of their lives as they gather to worship jesus but we are all probably feeling some difficulty some weariness some stress some opposition given what's been happening in the world what's been happening in the church and just coming up out of this bizarre time of the pandemic and it I don't know what you feel like, but it kind of feels like to me like we're running uphill and against the wind a bit. And Jesus here is in a similar situation. He's under opposition. People are pushing against him, but he still moves forward with his mission, firm in the belief that the Father is still at his work. And then that beautiful expansion of that, I can do nothing on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing, and the Father shows the Son all that he does because he loves him. I believe these verses are a model for us who are Jesus' apprentices and friends, who are just like Jesus, the Son, loved by the Father. I believe that today that we can rest in the fact that the Father is always at his work, even right here, right now, in your life, in your family, in your church, in your community, all over our island, even when we feel tired, even when we feel overwhelmed, even when we feel hopeless, even when there's been opposition and there's been difficulty. And just like Jesus says about himself, we can do nothing on our own, but we can rest in the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then we can see what the Father is doing and join in with him Rather than strive, we can discern and see and join in. And just for a moment, will you allow yourselves to feel the rest in that? Some of you today, you're facing grief. Others of you, you're facing actually unsolvable problems, obstacles in your family, in your workplace, in your Life with Jesus and in your church community, some of you are facing that in your health and you don't know what to do. But what if all you have to do is what the Father's doing? And what if he wants to show you what he's doing and lead you to what he's doing and lead you to people who are going to help you do what the Father's doing? And what if even while you're resting, he's working? What if it could be no more pressure No more pressure to keep up with other people who look like they're doing better? What if there's no more pressure to keep up with other businesses or colleagues? What if there's no more pressure to keep up with other churches? What if there's no more pressure to have the perfect family, the perfect Instagrammable life, the perfect ministry? What if there's no more pressure to be the next genius that finds the key to our coming next global revival? What if our task in these days is not to frantically work and strive at everything, but to discern what the Father's doing and to respond to that? And for me, responding to that is key. The task of every disciple, every apprentice and friend of Jesus is to watch for what the Father's doing and respond, to join him in his work, which means action, intentionality, and stepping into things powerfully. Action, but action from the place of faith and rest and discernment. But just like Jesus moved forward in the face of pressure and opposition and persecution, we need to as well. And once we see what the Father's doing, how could we not want to join in with what he is doing? Where do you need to remember that the Father is always working? He's working in you. In your church in your communities in your workplaces where do we need to pause this morning and actually look again because maybe we've missed it or frankly maybe it's not what we would have chosen or what we think we wanted and we're actually in danger of missing what the father's doing a great gift in our lives churches and communities. I'm actually uh, really relearning this right now, and it's really humbling. In the last two years, our, our church, we've had the same COVID whirlwind crazy that that all of you have had. We also lost our venue. We were meeting in a school for many, many years. Our entire history as a church has been in rented building, uh, rented building school. We've done the setup, takedown thing every week. And over like 20 years, we've looked long and hard for a Home of our own, and frankly, a uh, church building in North Belfast was never ever in my mind. Frankly, it's not what I would have chosen if you'd have asked me about it five years ago. But here's the thing it was in God's mind. And a number of years ago now, I'd have to ask the great Alan Emerson actually how many years ago this was, but I ended up at a Tobar conference. Many of you were there, um, and uh, on one of the sessions, a guy, you've probably heard of him, called Pete Gregg, had a word, and he invited up Heather Morris of the Methodist Church and little old me to represent the Vineyard. And by the way, we're at a kind of a conference gathering. This is a dangerous environment. I don't know if you know that. There's ambushes all around here. So if you don't want the Holy Spirit to ambush you, you should leave now. <laughs> this is dangerous. They're da- these are dangerous gatherings. Anyway, up on this stage, I found myself with Heather. i never met Heather before. Um, and Pete's prophesying about partnership and friendship and helping each other. And then that led to, we actually acted on the prophetic word. Heather and I, we decided, well, we better be friends. So it led to friendship and meals and conversations and coffees and then more new friendships as we brought people from the Vineyard family and the Methodist family together. We thought, we think Jesus is doing something here. Let's follow. And then that actually led to this possibility of us buying this building on the Cave Hill Road in North Belfast as a faithful, beautiful Methodist congregation finished its race, and the space was becoming vacant. And it led to us, in the middle of a pandemic, going from losing our venue, but being led to that space by the Father to North Belfast. But we had to respond to something that we never would have foreseen and maybe not have chosen. But it was what the Father was doing. So there was a grace on it and an ease on it, and how could we not do what the Father's doing? How could we not move to a part of the city we'd never done church in before and just go for it? It meant action, it meant risk, it meant sacrifice, it meant doing it even when there was opposition, and it meant surrendering my plans and starting to do what he's doing, and doing it where he's doing it. And there's a long way for us to go, but I'm already, I can can tell you, I'm so... I'm so much happier and peaceful doing what he's doing than what I wanted to do. There's a long way for us to go as BCV, but again, I'm so much happier doing what the Father is doing. And if you were to ask me, what is the Spirit saying to us? Well, one thing I would say is I believe... The Father is moving powerfully across the whole earth. The pandemic swept over our entire globe. And that tells me the Father wants to move around the entire globe. And we need to stand in faith that the Father is still working and that instead of doing lots of things or what we've always done or retreating and doing nothing, we need to ask Him, show us afresh what he is doing and this time away this weekend gathering is surely about the fire of the spirit and renewal and new friendships and old friendships and fun and resting a bit but there probably needs to be some time where we ask what is the father doing in our lives in our hearts in our families in our streets in our communities in our churches and all over this island, and am I responding to it in faith? Well, I have some bad news for you in my next point, but let's just go on. Uh, Chapter 5, Jesus keeps going at it with the opposition, and then in chapter 6, verses 1 to 15, is the feeding of the 5,000. That's where I want to take us next. And uh, in this section, I think it's Jesus trying to teach the disciples this, to always look for what the Father's doing. He's trying to teach them and show them. So he gives them, uh, he puts them in a situation to teach them that, to always look for what he's doing and how he's working and to join him in his work. And this is a passage well known to so many of you, many of you preached on this. And again, it's it's this, this context of conflict and pressure from the religious authorities but the first verses, verses one to three, tell us that even though there's this opposition against Jesus, the crowds still want him. They've seen his power, they've heard his teaching, they want to be around him, and we need to remember that in this moment. Great crowds, I believe, still want to be around Jesus. When, look, in this passage, you could argue things aren't going very well for Jesus. The religious elite, the, the movers and the shakers, the ones with the power, they don't like him and they want to kill him. That's bad. It's going badly. But the crowds, they want him. They want him, even in the midst of pressure and persecution. And so if you here are today and you're tired and things are challenging and things are difficult and you face opposition and you're overwhelmed, what if people are actually way more open to Jesus than they have been in a generation or more? And what if people are hungry? And what if they need provided for? And what if they need someone like you to make space for them now in Jesus' name? And what if in the midst of tiredness and opposition and whatever we face, we could have the resources of heaven to endure pressure and uncertainty and disappointment and we could persevere in faith? Look with me to verses 5 through to 7. Jesus looks up, he sees the crowds, and then he picks on poor Philip. Probably because Philip was from near there, and he tests him, and he tests the rest of the disciples. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I don't know about you, but this makes me really uncomfortable. In fact, I don't like it that Jesus tests his friends and followers, I don't like it because I want to be his friend and his follower, but I don't like being tested by him. I get uncomfortable with it. In the scriptures, though, we see God testing people all the time. He seems totally fine with testing us. You can see in you know, Judges chapter two, verse 22, James chapter one, verses two and three, and lots of other places in your Bible. Don't read your Bible. It's a pretty scary book sometimes. Just kidding, read it all All the time. You know, our fear from testing from God is we feel like it's testing as in he's trying to trap me or catch me out because he wants to punish me. Or it's just gonna prove what I already know and fear about myself is that I'm just not up to this job of following Jesus. But that isn't really what biblical testing is all about. Jesus tests his friends because he cares about who they're becoming. Testing is like an invitation to greater faith and hope and trust in him. It's an invitation into maturity and intimacy. And will we learn to live in faith and reliance on Jesus? Or do we go the opposite way and try and find the solutions with our own resources, in our own strength, and apart from what Jesus might have for us. So Jesus presents Philip with this impossible problem, thousands to feed, with no money, no supplies. And the test is, will you look to see what the Father's doing? Will you look to see what I might do? And well, just like me usually, Philip's first reaction is negative. He says it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite." He's looking at what he has and what what the group has in the natural. He's not thinking about what the Father might be doing. And Jesus is testing him, he's testing the disciples, put your faith in me for bread, but also for everything that you need. And the testing is this invitation into intimacy with Jesus. See. We kind of feel like Jesus is being really mean to Philip, but I don't think Philip would have spent the rest of the day thinking about how mean Jesus was. I think he would have been grateful to be part of that miracle that he got to be a part of. I think he would be wanting to be closer to Jesus so that he gets to be with him and gets it right the next time. He would want another chance and he would want to be around Jesus. And Philip wasn't expelled from the twelve for getting it wrong, for failing this particular test. He saw it all from the miracles to the joy of the resurrection to the great commissioning to the wonders and power of Pentecost. We should not fear testing. I think we need tests. Without them, we don't grow. They mature us. They refine our faith. They're not to punish us, but they're there so we make it so that our faith is proven genuine and we drawn closer and closer to Jesus. And I'm bringing all this up Because if you were to ask me what else the Spirit is showing the church in these days, I would say that we are in a time of testing. Right now. For me, the truth is, what I wanted coming out of COVID was a holiday. What I wanted coming out of COVID was revival. When we can gather again as churches, when we can stop being online and gather together, it's going to be awesome. Well... It hasn't exactly been revival. It's been good, but it hasn't been revival. I wanted revival. I wanted ease. I didn't want testing. But what if, especially for us as leaders here, what if that's what he's doing? What if he's testing our love for him and for one another? What if he cares more about who we are becoming? What if he cares more about that than what we can actually do for him? What if he's testing in this day, in this age, how we handle power? What if he's testing what we're trusting in coming out of a global catastrophe? What if he's trying to form us into mature, calm, faithful, sacrificial, loving people who can lead a desperate, hurting, chaotic world into the safety of Jesus' love and presence? What if just like Philip, he has us in over our heads to teach us afresh to look to him and rely on him? I believe we're in a moment of testing, and it's not a time for stress or panic, but it's a time for faith and a time to decide that we are not going to miss this moment. We're going to turn up, and we're going to remember that testing is an opportunity for growth and maturity and for deeper friendship with Jesus. And if we will embrace that and walk into that, I believe we will see the wonders of God. And why would we ever want to miss this moment? Well, how do we pass these kinds of tests? We use what we have. We use what we have. How do you do well and mature in faith? Well, you take what you have and you give it away and then you get more. We take all that we have and we offer it to Jesus And listen, it doesn't have to be pretty. There's no style points in the kingdom of God. We see this with Andrew's response, verses 8 and 9. Another one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So he sees what happens to Philip, and so He's like scrambling, like that was the wrong answer. Okay, so he's like, "What can? What do we got? What do I? What can I find?" And so he just, like, he just steals some poor boy's lunch, and he's he takes it to Jesus. He's like, "This is all I can find. We probably can't do anything. It's not even with enough faith. It's like, well, how can this be of any use?" But here it is. He just seems to somehow stumble into this thing that if I get what I have into the presence of Jesus, then maybe somehow that's going to be enough. Then Jesus says, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Jesus takes what is offered and he gives thanks in Matthew and Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus looked up into heaven to see what the Father was doing and then gave thanks and then there's enough for everyone, as much as they wanted. They didn't get a mouthful. They had as much as they wanted. Where this morning do you feel a gap? Between unsolvable problems and seemingly scarce resources, what you're called to and what you seem to have to work with. Well, what do you have that you can bring in faith into Jesus' presence? Maybe that's all you have to do. I loved what Andy is doing. What has he got? He's got some skills from his job, he's got some running shoes. And he's got some friends, so he's going to go running and raise a bunch of money. It's going to be multiplied, and people are going to be set free from human trafficking. He's taking what well, He's got some running shoes, and he's got some courage. And Jesus is going to multiply it. What do you have that you can bring in faith into Jesus' presence? Maybe that's all you have to do. Do you have money? Do you have time? Do you have energy? Do you have resources? Do you have that crazy idea that's just been bugging you but you think just might be from God? Churches represented here, do you have buildings? Do you have money? Do you have people that the Father is wanting to deploy and used in new and different creative ways that look different than what what has gone before but just might be the thing that the Spirit of God is breathing on? What do you have? What do only you have? What do only your congregation have? that needs to be brought afresh to Jesus so he can multiply ministry in his kingdom through it. And just as a little aside, I love the emphasis on family and the littlest here. But do you notice that in his desperation, what Andrew did, he went looking in the crash and in the kids' rooms, and in the youth rooms for what the Father was doing. And how many of us, myself included, would do that? Maybe we should. Maybe we should take the long view. Maybe we should think about uh, in the next 10 to 15 years if we invest in our babies, in our children's ministries, in our youth ministries, and if we pay the cost now, in time, energy, and money, and resources, and creative thinking, what might they become? What might this island look like if we went looking for the resources of the Father in the creche and the kids' ministry? What if there should be no more short-term thinking? Well, notice this, Andrew also spoke up. You know, if I'm Andrew, and I see Philip getting wrong, getting it wrong, I'm keeping my head down because I'm afraid. But Andrew finds his voice, and he finds whatever he can, and he gets it into Jesus' presence. What if we, in these strange times, find our voice and offer whatever we have in the leadership and ministry and service of our churches, workplaces, streets, and communities? Felt as I was praying for this, there's people here, you have felt like a burning and a pressure from the Holy Spirit that you need to help bear weight in your church. Like you need to bear weight for a whole area of ministry. It's like a call of God on your life. And, you know, it's just you just haven't been able to go there yet. And I just felt like for you, it's time to find your voice. And it's time to speak up. And I even felt like you were to go find your pastor or ring him or her, And be like, do you know that thing in the kids' ministry? I'll take it. Do you know that alpha course? I'll do it. Do you know that prayer ministry thing? I'll do it. Do you know that evangelism thing? I'll do it. Do you know that thing? I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll bring it into the presence of Jesus that He might multiply it. Well, we see in verses 12 to 13 that the disciples end up picking up all the leftovers. When they had all that they had when they had all had enough to eat he said to his disciples gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the 5 barley loaves left over left over by those who had eaten I believe one of the things the spirit is saying to us today in this time is to work together and to waste Nothing. They pick up these 12 baskets full of leftovers, more than enough. The baskets represent the 12 tribes of Israel. He provides for, Jesus provides for Israel. He is enough for Israel. He is enough to supply the needs of the people of God. He also has enough to supply all of our needs in this moment and forever. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can meet all of your needs and replace even what you give away, especially to pastors here today? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He can meet your needs, that He can replenish even what you give away in your service unto Him? Don't leave here today without being prayed for and being refreshed in His presence. One of the big things i really felt like the Spirit of God wants all of us to see and move towards is the fact that He instructs His disciples to work together to serve the people and take up the leftovers. So they do it. They work together and they fill the baskets. Each plays their part, but they work together. And there's no competition. There's no jockeying for position. There's no, I want two baskets. You get, you know, that kind of thing. They serve alongside one another under the love and instruction and abundance of Jesus. And I believe that's a word for us in this season, to work together. I believe he wants us building friendships. I believe he wants us going beyond denominational boundaries. I believe he wants us doing projects together. I believe he wants us serving one another as followers of Jesus, island-wide. He's inviting us into new catalytic moments of collaboration and friendship, bringing in his abundance, But we're going to need to work together. That's why I'm so excited about this space, because this space and other spaces are like incubators for this. It allows people to meet that the Spirit of God is actually bringing together for ministry partnership and lifelong friendship that's going to sustain us on the journey. In the days to come, we will need each other, and the Lord's blessing will be upon those who work together in unity. But listen, it's easy to get excited when we're at a weekend together and, you know, it's all great and wonderful, but then we go home, right? Well, this needs to actually not be something we get excited about in a tent, in fields on one weekend. This actually needs to get into our busy lives. We need to make this happen. This needs to get into our diaries and we need to make space to work together and to build friendships and to have dinners and coffees together and seek the face of the Lord together. We're going to need to make commitments to that. We're going to need to say no to some other things in order to say yes to that. And just in this kind of same vein of unity and working together, just felt strongly from the Lord that there's some of us that we need to reconcile with brothers and sisters this weekend. Just had a sense that you've kind of seen somebody across a crowded tent or field, and it's like there's something between us. Maybe there's even something between churches. Maybe there's been a conflict. Maybe it's been tense. Maybe we've bumped into each other. Maybe something's happened. Maybe it's been even from long ago. And I just had a sense that it's time to reconcile. It's time to repent. It's time to do whatever's needed. And that there's a grace on this moment. There's a, it, and it's, we, just, we just need to deal with it. There's a grace. There's a window open and we need to walk through it. So we need to take initiative. You don't need somebody to pray for you to do the works of the kingdom. You can just do them. So like, you don't need to ask Jesus if you should reconcile. We should just reconcile. And I just feel like, as I'm saying this, just some of us here, like we're cut to the heart because we know, we know. But my sense from the Spirit of God is when we do it, we will be embraced, and we'll be free. We'll be free of something that we've carried around. See, when we carry around grudges and the garbage that comes from unresolved conflict, it's like something toxic lives in us. And there's gonna be freedom that comes. So I would just say, maybe in ministry time, let's go find them. Let's go do this. Let's go figure this out in the presence of Jesus. So I think we're to work together, but I think we're also to waste nothing, because I've also been struck by Jesus' words to the disciples, to waste nothing, let nothing be wasted there in verse 12. Those that little phrase from Jesus has been haunting me for the last couple of weeks, because I believe he's saying that to us today. As followers of Jesus, as churches, he's saying, waste nothing. We're in a moment where there will be all we need from Jesus, but nothing can go to waste. And as I've wrestled with this, here's what I think the biggest thing for us is. It's time. We can't waste time. We can't waste this moment that we're living through and leading in. And we might be weary, we might be dazed and confused, but we are in a Kairos moment And nothing can be wasted. There can be no wasted effort. There can be no doing things just because that's what we've always done or doing things for the sake of doing them. There can be no putting things off for next year or when I have more time or more energy or when I'm holier or something like that. There can be no more wasted resources. Everything and everyone must count. Time can't be wasted. Time must be made. We must make time for the kingdom of God, And if you see this phenomenon in the world around us, the, the great resignation, right? The world is resigning. The world is dropping out of things. The world is stepping back. The world is reevaluating its commitments. Well, we must understand that now is the time, and we must make time for the kingdom and the king. And I believe the Father is always working, and now is the time. There's no better time. And hear me, there may be no other time. We've been chosen to love and serve Jesus in these days. I don't know why, but we're up. And no one is going to do that for us. The generations that went before us, they can't do it. The generations that will come after us, they need us to do it. There's never going to be another time like we're living in right now. And we have a moment from the Lord, but we're going to need to respond to it within the moment. Now, that doesn't mean we need to leap into endless, senseless activity. What I mean is we need to respond in faith to the way the Father is leading and the Spirit is empowering. Even if it's the still, small voice that seems crazy, that seems like Andrew's moment where you've stolen some kid's lunch and you're bringing in the... I don't know what's going to work or not. Maybe it's time for that kind of response, the kind of... time for the kind of faith in our lives... Families, churches, in our communities, in our workplaces—that brings things in the presence of Jesus and sees His kingdom come. Nothing can be wasted. I want to end with this: that we should do all of this from rest. You know, I've been getting a bit overexcited here. I've been talking about now is the time. I've been talking about doing what the Father's doing. I've been talking about not missing a moment talking about wasting nothing. I believe all those things. I believe the Spirit is saying that to the churches, but I also believe we're to do all this from the place of rest. Not from striving, not from fear, not from deficit, but from rest and peace. The kind of rest and peace that our whole person, body and soul experience when we are in the presence of Jesus, abiding in him and experiencing his love and care. Jesus models this in our last verses, verses 14 and 15. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So the crowds come to make him king, but Jesus withdraws and he goes up on a mountain by himself to be with the Father. You know, the life of Jesus in the Gospels, I mean, you're holy people. You read the Bible all the time. You know from the Gospels that you just see this rhythm of life with the Father in the Gospels from Jesus, that he is sustained by his rhythms of retreating and withdrawing for prayer and being in the Father's presence. That's how he does it. And this is something the Spirit is showing to us again. He's like highlighting it to us again. It's how we're going to do this next season. It's how we're going to do the rest of our lives And it's really interesting. In this passage, Jesus resists the wrong kind of power. They want to make him a king. And he will be a king. He is a king, but not that kind of king. And he resists their agenda, and he resists that kind of power. And he does it by withdrawing from the spotlight, from activity, and he enters into solitude where no one else is. And in an age where there is an addiction to fame, and notoriety, and perceived success, and things are being exposed about how we handle power, this is something we need to pay attention to. We see Jesus resist the wrong kind of power, resist fame and notoriety, and the traps of perceived success. And he stays on his agenda. He has no other agenda than the Father's agenda. He will submit to no one else's agenda than the Father's agenda. Nothing could distract or tempt him, and he does it Not by maximizing his platform, but through careful rhythms of solitude and withdrawing. What about us? Also, in our first three verses of chapter six, we see Jesus trying to show this to the disciples in the midst of a revival with crowds following. If crowds were following me, I'd be saying to my staff, We need another service, we need to put on another show. What does Jesus tell them to do? Sit down with me. Sit down with me. Up on a mountainside. He's trying to teach them rhythms. He's trying to teach them to abide in him. Yes, to minister to the crowd, but from the place of rest. He's saying to them, look to me for all that you need. So, what if... One of the things that happened this weekend was we made daily rhythms of sitting down with Jesus, the commitment of our lives, before we did anything else, time in prayer, the scriptures, Sabbath rest, private worship, silence, solitude, simply abiding him and experiencing his love for us. What if those were the things we gave ourselves to first and then from out of those rhythms, joined in with Jesus' mission and activity in the world. Because how on earth are we going to see what the Father's doing if we're not with Him, and we're not hearing from Him? How are we going to resist temptation if we're not sustained by Him? How are we going to be faithful to the callings that He has on our lives without rhythms of rest and time in His presence? So do we have boundaries? Do we have non-negotiables? Do we have a deep commitment to the disciples' life and rhythms with Jesus? And as churches, are we doing this together? Are we talking about it as churches together? Are we growing in it in community together before we then go do a bunch of stuff? Because the times we are in are challenging, but they're also full of opportunities from God as he continues to work throughout the earth and certainly in our lives and churches and communities. But we are not going to make it unless we are following Jesus, living in friendship with him, receiving his strength, hope, resilience, power that we will need for our assignment and to be faithful to him in all things. And Let me just say, these gatherings, these events, festivals, conferences that we love and go to, They are wonderful. And like, I go to them, I love them, they're wonderful. Let's do them more. But if we don't have daily friendship with Jesus as our real commitment, these things are just sugar highs. They feel great for a time, but they can't sustain us. We need them, but if we're relying on a big tent in a field, we're not going to make it. We're now in a time where there is no substitute for real discipleship in Christ's presence. I've talked at you long enough. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Is that okay? All right. I'm going to do this maybe a little bit differently than... Maybe we're used to. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, I'm just going to start with a few specific things. Um, you're sitting right on the front row. Yes, you're looking at me terrified. You have your arms crossed like this. You have a black hat on. Yep, yep. What's your name? Stephen. Uh, just while you were leading worship, uh, so helping lead worship, just have a sense that the Lord is like inviting you into a ministry of discipleship with young men, but using music, and uh, I just felt like he has some things for you as a mentor to pass on faith, and uh, these are like younger guys, and they're, you're just going to all of a sudden find just, they're going to kind of gather around you, and it's like going to be a little bit of a surprise, and like, oh, well, there they are, and I just feel like they want what you have as a musician, but they also are attracted to what you have as a follower of Jesus, and he's going to empower you to really minister to them and bless them and help shape them into men who follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. So would you just stand for a second? Don't worry, nobody's watching. <laughs> so just stretch out a hand to Stephen. Holy Spirit, would your fire come upon him? We pray already that, that young men who want what he has in terms of musicianship, but also worship and discipleship, would, um, would, would just start gathering And I pray your anointing on him to be a father, a spiritual father. And I pray in decades to come, there would be man after man after man who would have been raised up by him. So give him vision. Would you take him away to the secret place to prepare for this ministry? So we say yes and amen to him and what you're doing in his life. Amen. I also had a sense that there's people here. There's something you have been praying for for like 20 years or more and that you thought was a dream from God but you're but you're ready to give up but something stirred in you when you heard me say that we prayed for a building and it happened after 20 years and if that it could be a ministry dream or it could be something i don't know what it is something about your kids it could be anything if that's you would you just stand up for me so, wherever you are, just stand up. All right. Why don't you stretch out your hands to these wonderful people? And we just, as followers of Jesus, fellow disciples, we say, don't give up, don't stop praying, don't stop watching. And we ask, Lord, for the fire of your spirit, your dreams that have been planted in their hearts that they cannot let go of even after 20 years or more, would your fire fall on them again and would now be the time. So we prophesy breakthrough, we prophesy anointing, we prophesy freedom, we prophesy harvest We prophesied the laughter and joy of of Sarah when she heard that she would be a mother in her old age, laughed. So we pray for that joy. Let your fire come on men and women who have been faithful in prayer and who have not lost hope. Give them perseverance, courage, and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. There's some others of you, when I said that thing about finding your voice, it's time to find your voice, it's time to, to step up and bear weight. I just felt like especially even in the kids' ministry, something happened in you, would you stand for me? There he is, one, bre- oh, here we go, there's some more. It doesn't have to be kids' ministry, you just know it's time. It's your time now. Yeah. Again, stretch out your hands. We just bless you for responding to Jesus, and we bless you to find your voice. We we declare that the Lord has ministry and assignments and purpose for you now, and now's the time. We bless you to bear weight in His kingdom. We bless you to lead. We bless you with the resources of the kingdom. We bless you with vision. So have a sense of all of you as you declare what you're for and you courageously move forward, it empowers people to come after you. So Lord, I prayed for that Pied Piper type anointing to fall on them now, that people would follow them and want to do what they're doing because they're in motion in the kingdom of God. So Lord, let your power come, let your fire come upon them. And I pray the churches would be strengthened immediately because they lift their hands to heaven and say, I will bear weight in this area. So Lord, we pray for people to come to faith. We pray for disciples to be made. We pray for the people of God to do better because these people are now in place and moving forward. Let your power and your fire come upon them in Jesus' name, amen. I felt like the Lord wanted to move in healing, particularly in two areas, one in the area of debilitating headaches or migraines, and the other area in, it was like fractures or a break of a bone, or your bone has been broken at one time and it hasn't healed properly. Um, if you need healing for any of those types of things, would you just stand? We want to pray for healing, okay? There's people standing all over the room. So if you're near them, ask them what it is, and then start praying for them. I'm going to get you started. You can keep praying for them. Lord, we ask for your healing presence. We ask in faith. Let the healing power of Jesus flow on broken bones, on fractures. Let the healing power of Jesus come on debilitating headaches and migraines. We speak to migraines and say no in Jesus' name. We say pain go. Drop away in Jesus' name. Lord, let your kingdom come. Pain of any description, leave in Jesus' name. We pray that bones would knit together now in Jesus' name. Migraines would leave. The conditions that cause repetitive headaches and migraines. Be corrected in Jesus' name. We pray over all of these bodies, function properly as you were created to function in Jesus' name come Holy Spirit and then lastly you can keep praying if you're praying for someone for healing there last thing I just felt like it's a moment for us to say yes in faith to the situation we are in despite obstacles that we face you need to say yes again yes that God's moving, yes that I'm giving my yes in faith, I'm going to give my yes all over again, but I need his resources, I need his power. So if you want to say yes, and you want his resources, and you want his power, can I invite you just to come forward and start to gather here? If you want any of that, you want to give your yes again in this moment, and you want his resources and his power, just come forward. And prayer ministry team, let's just hold off because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to just, we're going to deploy you in just a second, but I believe the Spirit is just going to start moving. He's already moving. So keep coming, keep coming. Just make, make space for one another. You're, you're giving your yes afresh, but you need His power and you need His resources. So there's plenty of room. Just keep coming. The Spirit's already starting to move and rest on a number of you. He's he's going to be doing more. If this kind of ministry is new to you, it's just we actually believe that when we're in God's presence and we worship him and we look to his word and we cry out to him that he meets with us and he actually has power and resources for us now. And sometimes we see that power like impact our physical bodies because it's real power. Other times it doesn't and it doesn't really matter if you fall or shake or do anything. What matters is like how you leave. But there is real power and there is the real presence of the Spirit available right now for those that want to give their yes. So come Holy Spirit, continue to minister. We're just going to wait for a second. He's he's increasing what he's doing. Come Holy Spirit. Says these people give you their yes, would you give them your yes? Confirm it with power and resources. Would you give the children their inheritance? Would you give them today's bread? And would you anoint them with power to do what you're asking them to do? So Lord, let your power come upon them. Power to preach the gospel, power to heal the sick, power to bear weight in the kingdom, power to lead, power to serve, power to forgive. For those that need financial breakthroughs, we pray for financial breakthroughs. For those that need just, it's simply your momentum, come, breathe on us, Lord, come, Lord. come, Lord. For those that don't know what to do, give insight. So the power of the Lord's beginning to increase. He's just—it's coming. There's just another wave coming. So if you nothing's happening, don't worry. The Lord hasn't forgotten you. We're just gonna wait. We're just gonna wait because there is more. So Lord, come, come, come. So some of you are being anointed in power, others of you are being in mo- invited into this like this holy mo- like holy ground of renewed intimacy. Because giving him your yes, you're not just giving your yes to more work. You're giving yes to like another layer of encounter and intimacy with him. Come Lord, come Lord. Come Lord. This is like a, there's like a sovereign moment. You're, you're re-upping. And it's really holy. And the Lord isn't angry with your performance thus far. He's just saying, come again. Let's go again. Lord, come. Lord, come. Lord, come. And Lord, as the sun burns away storm clouds, would your light and presence here right now burn away disappointment and discouragement and fear? And we pray for your freedom. Drive back the work of the enemy that has tried to derail and distract and disrupt. Breathe fresh life into them. Breathe fresh life into their churches and their leadership. Just have a sense there's somebody, you came here ready to, like turning your back on an opportunity, but now you find yourself at the front with the Lord is saying, this is my opportunity. Revise your plans. So Lord, we are just loose change in your pocket. Spend us however you wish. So I pray, Lord, that you would deploy these people and give them power. Give them power in their churches. Give them power in their families. Give them power in their communities. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall on them. Change the trajectory of our lives, Lord. We are your servants. Show us what you're doing and where you're doing it, and give us your anointing and your resources and your rest. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Prayer ministry team, would you please come and just begin praying for these wonderful people Believe the Lord wants to keep ministering to them. I'm going to go and pray for some people. Um, if you're milling about the hall or you're just in your seat, I would just encourage you and you're not receiving prayer, just take a minute with the Spirit and allow Him to speak deeply to you and minister to you. He doesn't need you at the front, He can minister to you wherever you are. So come, Holy Spirit, continue to minister. We are so grateful to you. We bless you in Jesus' name.